The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic grain and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. On Friday, headed into a three-day holiday weekend, we saw the markets mixed to mostly higher with crude oil under pressure as we wrapped up market trade. Welcome into the show. Thanks for joining us here today on Market Talk as we broadcast live once again from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky here today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to be here as always. Thank you for making us part of your day as we talk about the markets and issues impacting rural America. Coming up here on the show today, we are going to get market analysis with Christy Vanon. She's at the Vanon and Company as we wrapped up on Friday's trade and headed into a three-day holiday weekend. No markets on Monday for the President's Day holiday. We're going to get Christy's insights into how we wrapped up the week coming up here in segment two and three today. Also, at the end of the show, we're going to talk with our friends at Great Plains. They have some new products they have rolled out here during the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. We're going to talk to Doug Stuckey with Great Plains coming up here at the end of the show today. First up, though, let's get some market thoughts and analysis with Arlen Suderman of Stonex. Talked to Arlen around midday on Friday. Got his thoughts on what was happening in the trade, including the crude oil market breaking fairly heavily. That is where we start our conversation with Arlen. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. Well, it's a combination of recession worries, which is what the stock market has on its mind today, uh, with this week's data showing hot inflation heating up once again and retail sales numbers strong, arguing for a more aggressive approach by the Federal Reserve. Um, and so that's kind of fueling that fear about future recession. Um, the crude oil market worried about what that might do to demand. And then you add to that, it had a chart breakdown. It broke out the bottom of a ascending channel on the chart thinking, whoa, wait a minute, maybe, maybe we've got things too hot in here and uh, we need to take things back down once again. Um, and uh, so I think crude oil is, is really grinding out a channel largely between about 72 and 82 dollars and it had been getting up close to the top of that range here over the past week, not finding a lot of follow-through. And so technical trading is now taking it back down toward testing the bottom of that range overall and uh, until we get a little bit more certainty. In this grain trade, Arlen, uh, you know, I mentioned a little bit higher across pretty much everything, corn, beans, wheat. Uh, anything of note stand out to you, though, here as we wrap up the week and look at this grain market that seems relatively quiet? No, there's a couple of things that stand out to me. First of all, I mentioned crude oil break and support on the charts, but the grain and oil seeds, they, they're bouncing off of the bottom of that ascending channel on the charts. 
and they're saying, well, wait a minute, we've got enough risks that we need to defend this market staying in here and not have a technical breakdown, at least not today. We're looking at a three-day holiday weekend, so we'll have to look at things again Monday night when we return. But for now, the, the focus has seemed to be let's maintain some ownership. We still do have some geopolitical and weather risks that are out there. The other factor that was at play today was um, – when we saw the dollar break on a couple of economic reports that came out this morning that were a little bit disappointing and bad news is good news on wall street and even though it didn't wasn't enough to put the equity markets in positive territory or turning around crude oil the uh the treasury yields started breaking lower from three-month highs they said earlier in the session that led to a lower dollar and as the lower st dollar started going lower about nine o'clock chicago time that's when corn, soybeans, and wheat all started trending higher. I would have to think that break in the dollar probably helpful here in this uh, protein complex as well. Cattle and hogs both looking like they're having a decent day to uh, head into the three-day holiday weekend. Uh, that certainly is helping, and we had a good export sales report yesterday for both beef and pork. But when we look at the beef, that's where it's most interesting to watch as we're seeing cash market continue to trend higher. We've seen the choice cuts up, what, about $10 net over the past week. Is uh, the supply of beef in the market seems to be really tightening up with lower numbers and lower carcass weights. And so supply is suddenly getting tight. We're just kind of at the front end of this thing. Cash trade this week looks to generally be unfolding about a dollar or so higher across much of the feedlot district. Some cases may be even higher. We've got a lot of trading perhaps be done yet this afternoon um, and that's providing some underlying support for the futures market as well as we head into this three-day holiday weekend and once again that is comments with arlen suderman of stone x their chief commodities economist of course we always appreciate his time here on market talk got a chance to catch up with arlen again midday on friday during the market trade and really not much difference in what happened in the market trade uh, for when arlen and i talked to when things wrapped up a little bit of a pullback but overall again a mostly mixed to higher day we'll continue the market conversation coming up here with christy van on she says here in just a little bit in uh, news headlines today should look at a few news headlines as well here on the program the usda is out with its latest world wheat outlook and russia and australia made most of the noise australia's production we raised that 1.4 million tons to 38 million tons the current forecast would be the third consecutive record large crop in australia with russia there we raised our production forecast a million tons so it's now currently at 92 million tons that also for russia would be record large world agricultural outlook board chair mark jackadowski says the increase in global wheat production is reflected in the world balance sheet with the rise in most categories month over month. The U.S. wheat supply and demand estimates saw minimal changes, but one that was noticed. Season average market price, we lowered at 10 cents a bushel. The current price of $9 per bushel, that would still be a record. And again, that is World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski. And also the USDA projected America's food and agricultural exports will drop by 12% through fiscal year 2026. The erosion will be caused by a global economic slowdown, inflation, higher interest rates, and a strong U.S. dollar. Overall, economic conditions are projected to slow U.S. exports quicker than imports, leading to a trade deficit. 
Now, USDA projections show that exports will drop across the board, but grains and soybeans will get hit the hardest. Reduced export volumes will also mean lower commodity prices, but 2027 is expected to show a rebound in exports. Farm exports were forecast at $190 billion this year, dropping to $166.3 billion in 2026, and then rising to $182.8 billion by 2032, the last year of the 10-year baseline. Imports will also slow down, but... They are expected to recover by 2032. Food and ag imports were forecast at $199.1 billion this year and grow to $200 billion by 2032. Well, once again, we are broadcasting live here today at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. Coming up later on, we're going to talk to our friends at Great Plains and learn more about some of their new products they've rolled out here during the show. But first up, we got to dive more into that market trade headed to a three-day holiday weekend. Friday's trade action, we'll call it mixed. And uh, when it was all said and done, we pulled back a little bit off the highs. Crude oil under some pretty heavy pressure. We're going to talk about the market trade coming up here after the break. Christy Van On, she says Van On and Company up in Minnesota. I haven't had her on in a couple of weeks, so she is going to join us in the hot seat coming up here next as we will continue with more market talk broadcasting live from the 2023 National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. Back with more right after this. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, market trade action heading into a three-day holiday weekend, wrapping up on Friday afternoon. Fairly quiet day when it was all said and done. A little bit of green on the screen in the grains. Cattle a little bit higher. Crude oil market, though, had a break to the downside. We have plenty to take a look at here and see how these markets are sitting as we head into a long holiday weekend. Joining us now, pleased to have her back on the program with us, Christy Van On. She sits with Van On and Company. Christy, always good to catch up with you. I hope you're doing well. You too. You too. It's good over here. We have uh, a lot of snow still in central Minnesota, and it looks like a forecast that possibly brings some more. And I am ready for spring, and I'm sure farmers are as well. I was going to say, ready for spring, but you know what? I guess at the end of the day, in hindsight, that's moisture. That's that's going to help out drought a little bit. It's just going to be a mess when it melts. It's going to be nice and muddy there for a couple of weeks, I'm sure. So. That it is. We had a very cool, wet spring last spring, and I'm hoping we don't get that hit twice in a row. Yeah, let's hope that that is not the case. Well, let's jump into the market trade. And I think just uh, for starters, like I mentioned, fairly quiet when it was all said and done after Friday's trade. We we came off the highs a little bit, it looked like. I know the dollar kind of was got back around unchanged late in the session. Crude oil had a rough day. I know we'll dive into that more in a minute. But your take heading into a holiday weekend just felt like maybe a, a lot of folks didn't want to get too many new positions on, just wanted to kind of keep it status quo headed to a long weekend. Yeah, I think this market in general is just really stuck in a rut and can't decide where it wants to go. And it's like you're begging for information to move this market. You get the information, but it doesn't change anything. And so right now we're looking at March corn being pretty much limited at 685. And it doesn't really want to break much below that, though. So we get up to 685 to 688. We fall back down to around, you know, 675, and then we're back up. So we've really been in a pretty consistent 15 to 20 cent range for quite some time. And you're looking at a very similar situation for new crop corn. $6 is going to be that level that probably brings out some sellers when you start to really plan pencil. You have a lot of producers right now looking at their break-evens. You're meeting with your banks on operating loans right now and saying, hey, 
the break evens look really favorable right now for the corn market. And I think you're going to have a lot of sellers continue to show up around $6. That does not mean it needs to fall off by any means, but it means that we need something to happen to get us through here and push us through this level. And you can equally say that for the soybean market as well. When we look at it, old crop soybeans for March, you're looking at 15 45 being a level that brings out quite a bit of sellers, but you would imagine that 15 to 1520 is also that psychological level. And so it's kind of that same situation. You're in such a narrow trading range. You do see more movement though, when you look at new crop soybeans, uh, we had mm -hmm. a very big sell off and you're starting to inch your way back higher all the way up to 1386 right now. And we were down to the 1335, 1340 level. And to see us build our way back up, I think a lot of people are looking at that market and maybe even some outsider traders saying, hey, this level is not going to get the acres that we need to get. And we, need, we do remember that the acre numbers we get in the end of March are going to be turned in pretty soon. And so the prices that we're generating off of right now, these are the decisions being made right now. Those are what we're going to see show up in the end of March. Very true. Well, and a couple things too, thinking about that acreage battle, a lot of it comes down to fertilizer. Folks are spring applying. I know we're seeing some more favorable fertilizer prices right now. One has to wonder, you know, if that could sway some acres one way or another, as you mentioned, you know, those break-evens start to pencil those out. Do we get some movement one way or another because of the way fertilizer prices are right now, Christy? Yeah, we're really starting to hear that, especially into the Dakotas, into North Dakota. That's what we've been hearing. And I honestly think that beans or corn had the upper hand to begin with, right? And now you've mm -hmm. seen these fertilizer prices start to come down. Now Mother Nature and spring plays a big role in what acres are going to get planted. But it just continues to, to tip the scale further and further to corn being the more profitable one to plant right now in so many of these areas especially for those guys that are locking in new contracts for rent that have higher prices there. You can just see the writing on the wall. You even start to have that talk about, okay, Minneapolis wheat for the Dakotas. It's just not there. You know, we've seen it be profitable in the past, but you cannot get that push on basis. And you would think with the world dynamic that we have around us that you'd be able to get something going, but you're just not seeing that. And so I do think that you have the potential and the writing on the wall for a very large corn acre number, whether that comes true or not, is up for debate as we progress through actual planting. But it does look like that is what we're seeing right now. And soybeans really have to prove it and get up and moving to give that that profitable range and, and take back some of those acres. Well, I'm thinking about, you know, exports as well when it comes to these markets, you know, the corn export seasons trying to start get going here for the U.S. The soybean export season been extended a little bit with some of the uh, weather delays in South America for the Brazilian harvest. But, you know, overall, this export picture just hasn't been really robust. It's been OK, but it hasn't been great, Christy. Yeah, corn has been dismal. When I look at corn export sales, I'm really disappointed when you look at them. And not only that, you started off the week with kind of that buy the rumor, sell the fact mentality. We heard the rumors in the background that Mexico was going to think about stopping their ban on GMO corn, or I shouldn't say stopping the ban, but not placing the ban in effect. And mm -hmm. we actually ended up getting that announcement that they pretty much were going to especially going to keep or push that deadline back. And so they said they're still going to discuss some things, but they're not pushing that deadline. And then the next day, we actually saw a private sale for this year corn to Mexico. And it was like corn could care less. And we have to remember and we have to go back to say Mexico is our, our top corn buyer has been in the past for many years. 
And so I think that this market is so tired and is so anticipating needs to know what's happening next. Do we have a reason to hold these prices as high as we are? And because of that, these markets just struggle to get up and going, even when you have that favorable news for export sales. When you look at soybeans, I'm impressed with soybeans being able to still drum up these export sales that we've had consistently. And we've been shipping them very, very aggressive as well. Our export pace our, for inspections has been fantastic. And we have to remember USDA to backtrack and push and lower exports here in the January report, did not touch it into the February report. And if we continue to have these export sales like we do, they're going to probably have to come in and adjust that number down the road. Well, I'm wondering, too, thinking of USDA and some of the numbers that they have, I know we'll have, obviously, acreage numbers coming up here in a few weeks, Outlook Forum coming up as well. You know, one has to wonder some of these, you know, milestones, I'll call them, in front of us here, how much that could sway these markets. Because to your point about corn, you know, really couldn't care less about some of that Mexican news. It feels like a lot of these grain markets could care less about a lot of the news items that are out there right now because, to your point, they're tired of hearing about these things and waiting for something new, Christy. Yeah, same situation. You know, you talk about Russia and Ukraine. We know that there's a lot of issues. We know that there's a revamp up there. We've had issues with, obviously, the balloon here that we know is from China. None of that stuff that normally moves the markets has touched the markets. And so I do think that they're just tired. Now, you brought up Outlook Forum. Next week, we're going to have USA's Outlook Forum. And this is where they get a chance to kind of talk and discuss about what they see around the market and forecast they forecast like 10 years out. I, they must be way better planners than I am in my own life. But, you know, they come in here and they talk about what they see happening. And it typically does come into the market to a degree. And I'll be curious to see if it does next week affect the market. What I do know and what I'll be looking at is their acre number. Okay, Their acre number is not based off any sort of farmer survey out of this Outlook Forum. That's just their what they're feeling, what they're looking at. But it's going to be one of those big you know, just like you got a firm to do a private estimate for acres leading up to it. It's going to be one of those peg points to look at it and say, hey, this is what USDA put into their outlook form. I'm also going to look at what their demand structure looks like over the next five years. Do they start to look at, you know, the realistic ability to crush the renewable diesel that they want to see in the future? What do they do with the crush demand? And do we have enough to sustain that? What do they look at for ethanol demand moving forward? We know that we need to see some more people step up for exports if we want to be that producer of ethanol. So there's a lot of questions. They're not hard numbers. These outlook forums are not numbers that are like a, a monthly crop report that you actually go off of. They're just a guideline of kind of what USA sees, but it does give some insightful information on what they want to see happen in the years to come. Well, and USDA said this week they expect farm exports to drop by 12% over the next three years. I wonder if that's maybe tipping their hand already to what they'll say in the Outlook Forum. We'll have to see. Well, we are talking today with Christy Van On. She's with Van On and Company. We're going to continue our conversation coming up here after the break. A few of the closing numbers from Friday's session heading into the three-day holiday weekend. March corn finished the day a little bit higher, up one at three quarters, six seventy-seven to three quarters. December new crop corn up two and a quarter, five ninety-five at three quarters. March beans up three quarters, fifteen twenty-seven at a quarter. November beans up two and a half. 
13.86 and a quarter. We saw Chicago wheat for March. That was up a half penny, 7.65 and a half. March KC wheat up eight, 9.06 and a half. March spring wheat was unchanged at 9.30 and a quarter. We'll continue our conversation coming up next with Christy Van on back with more market talk on the way right after the break. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency, so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Christy Van On, she sits with Van On and Company as our guest today here on Market Talk as we broadcast from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. Christy, let's talk about the crude oil market, the energy market, too. Big drop in crude on Friday, down well over 2% and really held there, but yet, that didn't really seem to, again, while we were talking about, you know, news items and things affecting the trade, didn't really seem to affect the grain and livestock markets at all on the day Friday. But I wonder, what's your thought with this crude oil market and what you saw there? Yeah, so crude oil at one point down over three bucks. And and typically we start to kind of see that writing on the wall when you start to get that pullback. It does affect markets and it didn't. It didn't affect this market. And we, we look at it and we say crude oil is in the same camp that you have the grain markets in right now. It is carving out a range and it really hasn't budged off of it. We've had some tiny tidbits of information moving along. You did see Russia come out and kind of say that they are going to cut their exports, I think it was 5%. Um, and you've kind of got that information to push the market up. But it seems like that resistance point is up north towards that like 79 to $80 range. And as soon as we get up there, we start to fade this market back off. Now, um, in the past, the US administration has said that they want to rebuild uh, oil reserves. And we'll see if they're doing this moving forward. They released some um, this week, and uh, that's kind of against what they've said in the past, that they want to rebuild that reserve. And so we'll see if they come in here towards this bottom end of the range. But when you look at the market, 72 to 74 has been uh, that res- or that support line. So once again, you're in the narrowest range where you're coming from 72 to 79 until you can break out of that range. I really don't see a whole lot of difference. Now, a lot can change. A lot can move the market. But right now, this market seems like it's really okay coasting along for the time being. Same situation for the Dow market. You know, the Dow mm-hmm. has been crazy to watch. You come in here and you blink and all of a sudden the Dow is down 400 points. By the end of the day, it's back towards steady. And it seems like it's getting a wide range of trade, but it seems like it can't move anywhere in the grand big picture of things. Well, and one more thought on the crude market, too. Some reports out, you know, a lot of folks still focused on China and demand there, supposedly looking for China to import a record volume of crude oil this year and looking for their economy to recover. Talk of Russia maintaining their export volumes of crude oil as well in the month of March. But, you know, we we focus in on on what's happening in Asia, in China. And obviously, that's having a big impact on a lot of our commodities as it typically does here 
that crude situation, though, I think watching China the next couple of months is going to be the biggest key there in my mind. What do you think? Yeah, I have to agree with that because you look at the situation. Beans did get hyped up here on China Mm -hmm. coming out of their lockdowns, coming out of their COVID restrictions. Really, when you look at it, China's going to have to fix a lot of issues over the next little bit to kind of, you know, everything they've done, the damage that they've done to their economy with their lockdowns. And so if it's bullish on beans, you're right. It should be bullish when you look at the crude oil and you should see it and wonder, what do we have moving forward for them to want to look at our product? And I'm hoping we start to see that. But as of now, um, it's been a little bit on the quiet side and it hasn't given us that reason, but everything does tie back to China. And if China can get up and get some friendly um, growth numbers in their economy, I think that's a good thing across the board for commodities. Now, something that I think uh, folks need to be cautious about, we haven't had CFTC data now for a couple of weeks. Sounds like they're going to postpone that at least one more week as they figured out all the hacking issues. With that data, without that data, can you explain why that is so important and why that could have a potentially volatile impact on the market when we do get that data back? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways to look at it. But the biggest thing is, you know, you can kind of track it and look at their general, you know, perception of the market, right? If you're seeing consistent buying from managed money, if you're seeing consistent selling from managed money, it kind of sets the tone to say, do we want to be at the top end of the range or the bottom end of the range? And so it gives you that information, you know, information is knowledge when you look at these markets. And when we take away that solid piece of knowledge that we get on a weekly basis, it leaves you in the dark. And I'm just afraid that you can come in here and you can kind of give managed money and investment funds a scapegoat to say, hey, we can really run under the radar for a little bit and get our positions how we want them to be and then not have anyone catch on to us right away. And I'm afraid that that you're gonna come in here and see some very bold changes from them for the last three weeks to a month. And the market's gonna have to correct itself to say, hey, oh wait, manage money has done this or manage money has done that. They have added length in soybeans and corn over the last bit leading into this. They are net short and sellers of wheat coming into this. We know that wheat's been able to run besides this week. Um, And usually when you can kind of see wheat lead the way, it's investment driven because investment funds are very prone to being short wheat. And so when they're covering those positions, usually you see wheat lead the way higher. And it has been the fact that you've been able to see wheat, not this week, we have wheat down about 20 cents on the week for Chicago, and just slightly short for Kansas City on the wheat. But leading up to that, before that, we did see that support. And so I think that when we do get the information, you're possibly looking at a a knee jerk reaction to see people kind of adjust their positions to see what they did. Okay, great explanation. Something we need to watch. Let's talk livestock a little bit here before we wrap things up. Cattle, live cattle futures sitting up there near contract highs. We've set it a couple set contract highs a couple times now. Last few sessions, cash trades starting to pick up Friday afternoon. Steady, couple bucks higher. Uh, what do you make of this cattle market here as we head into the three day weekend? Yeah, cattle, you know, you're you're up high enough in cattle now that cattle has to have a prove it mentality. We hit the third price count here in live cattle, the second price count here in feeder cattle. You're making contract highs for live cattle. You're at the top end of the range on a standard deviation line. I mean, everything about cattle looks like you could 
be towards the top. And that doesn't say that you need to be at the top because cash is strong. But at this point, we're high enough that you need to prove that they deserve to be at this level. We know that seasonally, this next month usually is a high for the cattle markets for the time being. And so you have seasonals going against the market. You have the fact that you're up at these price counts going away from the market. We really do need cash and the cattle on feed to support these prices next week. If you can keep supporting them, I think they deserve to be here. I think that you could see that possibly that the economy has been able to shake off some um, interest rate hikes. We saw job growth out of it. So you can have that, but we just need to remember seasonally, this is not a friendly time uh, over the next month to two months for the cattle markets. And in the hog trade, I haven't had much good to say about hogs here the last couple of weeks i know april the front month now uh i've been talking about that this here past week uh, seeing if it'll converge with cash or if cash will come up to april what's your thought in this hog market here as we uh head to the weekend yeah hogs have been a ride <laughs> and so you look <laughs> at them and, and you're like ah are we going to be drastically higher or lower today and you look at it, we need the index to really pick up here for the hog markets. And I think that's the biggest thing is if we can get the index to pick up, you can support itself. But we're at a key resistance point for the hog market that we need to get through on a chart. Um, and you have room, honestly, to go either way. And so I think it drives back to that index to say, can we get it up going? And you brought up April. You know, we still have some time on the April contract, but I'm worried that you're going to start focusing more on those deferred contracts and start looking at those summer contracts and kind of leave April in the dust. And so if we can come in here and we can see some the index start to catch up, which it typically can move if it wants to move, um, I'm supportive of them. But until then, they need to prove it. Fantastic stuff. Before we let you go, any other final thoughts you have for us today, Christy? No, I think that's it. You know, there's a lot of information that'll be coming. We are generating crop insurance prices right now. And it's, you know, towards that top end of the range that we've seen in the years past for the corn market, not that far off of the all-time high spring price for, for corn there. Just another reason why you could possibly see some more corn acres. But this time frame here, there's some unique opportunities to be locking in some sales, some profit on the table. And, and don't let that fall asleep. You know, here in Minnesota, North Dakota and South Dakota, We've seen basis levels extremely deteriorate for soybeans. You went from crushed plants having, you know, 15 over to 45 under very quick. And you need to remember to focus on the basis side of things, not just the cash, treat the futures and the basis separately. We have strong uh, basis levels for the most part at ethanol plants around here and just be attentive to that because we don't want to see what happened with basis here for soybeans happen to corn as well. Well, Christy, great stuff. If folks want to reach out to you and the team there at Van Anna Company to uh, get some advice, get some information, what's the best way to do that? You can call us at 1-800-648-5494. Fantastic. Christy Van On, she's with Van Anna Company. Thanks for joining us here today on Market Talk. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. And we appreciate her time, as always. You can also learn more online, vanonco.com. A few of the closes in the livestock trade from Friday's session as well. Before we head to break, we saw live cattle February up 80, 163.57. April lives up 57, 164.65. June live cattle up 40, 160.12. Feeder cattle March up 30, 186.52. April down 15, 190.45. And also May feeder cattle down 12, 194.35. April hogs 
50 lower, 85-27. May Hogs down 45-94-40. June Hogs down 42-102-72 on the day on Friday. Well, coming up here as we continue from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky, we're going to talk to our friends at Great Plains. They've rolled out a few new uh, pieces of equipment here during the National Farm Machinery Show, and we're going to learn more about it. Doug Stuckey with Great Plains is going to uh, be on the show. I talked to him earlier today, uh, was able to go out on the trade show floor and catch up with him. We're going to learn more about some of their new products. That is coming up here after the break as we continue with more Market Talk live on on the road at the National Farm Machinery Show. Back with more on the way right after this. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk here today as we are once again at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. I will admit, my first time at the show, and I know this show is a big one. It's been around for quite a number of years, but uh, I was happy to uh, finally make the trip and enjoy the Farm Machinery Show here for a couple of days. And, and really, just it's exciting to check out all of the new equipment on display, all the different technology on display. The crowd was huge huge for the National Farm Machinery Show this year, in my opinion, and really just awesome to connect with folks throughout agriculture for a couple of days. While thinking of new equipment, our friends at Great Plains have rolled out a few new pieces of equipment here during the National Farm Machinery Show, and we got a chance to learn more about it. I was able to catch up with Doug Stuckey from Great Plains on the trade show floor and learn more about some of their new products they are rolling out. Here is that interview with Doug Stuckey of Great Plains. And joining us now here as we broadcast at the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky, we have Doug Stuckey with us with Great Plains. Doug, good to catch up with you, sir. Hope you're doing well. Great to have you here. Yeah, it's been a good show so far. Been a good couple days, a lot of uh, good traffic here uh, for the show. Uh, yeah, we're excited. It's uh, It's been a good show for us so far. Well, that's always great to hear, and you are exactly right. The crowd has been awesome here for the show, and you guys have some new products on display rolling out here during the National Farm Machinery Show. Talk about what you guys have on tap here. Yeah, we were really excited to introduce uh, three, uh, well, actually one brand new product right now. Uh, we are coming with our next generation of vertical tillage. As you know, uh, Great Plains was one of the first companies to come with what we would say is true vertical tillage. and. Uh, we have built upon that technology and we are coming with the next generation vertical till uh, product now uh, this week that we're just introducing for the first time. A uh, couple of the new features with that, we've really stretched out the frame on the unit, make it run better through the field. Uh, we've expanded our, our disc blades, gone from a 20 inch to a 22 inch uh, turbo blade on that as well. And then we've, in, uh, we've enhanced our attachments on the back to where now, instead of just having the rolling spike harrow, we've had a lot of guys interested in more of a chopper style blade. So we've got a chopper blade as an option on the back as well. And then finally, at the very end of it, we've got a double basket. Another uh, request that's come from our customers, they wanted to have that to really ensure they had a level, good, smooth seedbed. So. Uh, so we are really excited about where we're going with, uh, with the TurboMax, with the VT1100 is what it is specifically. Then um, expanding three years ago, we came with the uh, TerraMax, 
which is really a kind of a sister to the uh, to the Turbo Max for somebody that's wanting sure. a uh, solution that's a little bit more aggressive, but still maintaining that soil profile and, and kind of that vertical till message. Uh, so we've got, we're coming with the small Terramaxes. So 10, 12, 15 foot, same features and benefits as we've always had with that Terramax, if you're looking for something that's gonna do a little bit more chopping and sizing a residue, maybe maybe turn a little bit more dirt, uh, that's really the advantage that you're gonna get from that, uh, from that Terramax. So now, for both on the Turbo and the Terramax, uh, they are gonna be in sizes from 20 to 40 foot. And then in both cases, we are maintaining uh, the old Turbomax in a eight and a half, 10, 12, and 15 foot size as well and now to complement that uh, 10 12 and 15 foot on the Terramax and then to bring it all home uh, the other enhancement that we're bringing is our TS9100 turbo seeder so for that guy that wants to uh, minimize the number of passes that he makes if he is wanting to put down a cover crop uh, we're offering the turbo seeder now for the small Terramax and the improvement that's been made to that now is that you can have the turbo seeder on either the small turbos or the small terras and it will also go on the large turbos and terras as well so excited to introduce and offer that uh, across both of those uh, product profiles well doug a couple things there from what i heard you talking about obviously awesome stuff and the innovation is always great to hear about and and the other part too is that you listening to your customers on the things that they wanted to see on their great plains products i, I think that's awesome and just thinking about you know guys want to you know they want to get in the field they want to get going they want to make sure they have the best equipment possible to get the job done they don't want to be slowed down by different little things so i think that's uh, just a great point to kind of round this home is all the innovation you guys are putting in to help make the farmer's job that much easier voice of customer is extremely important to us and we're taking feedback you know all the way from um, the our customers in the field to our dealers even to our engineers that are doing the design the fun thing about this is great thing about this is is uh, a good majority of our engineers and people even in the uh, corporate office uh, they all farm on the side. So we all have ag backgrounds. We can, we understand, we appreciate what farmers are looking for uh, to, and what they really desire to have to, uh, to complete their operation. I'm sure if farmers want to learn more, if they go online or find their local Great Plains dealer, they can learn more about all the new products and everything else that Great Plains has to offer. Greatplainsag.com, go out to the website, check it out. The material is all there. Um, yeah, reach out to one of our territory managers or dealers, and they would be happy to help you. Fantastic. Doug Stuckey with Great Plains. Thanks for joining us here at the National Farm Machinery Show and catching us up on some of the new things from Great Plains. We appreciate it. Appreciate it as well. Thanks. Have a great show. And once again, it's always cool to check out new equipment here at farm shows. And it's been great to be at the National Farm Machinery Show for a couple of days here in Louisville, Kentucky. We'll be at Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida here in a couple of weeks. That's going to be the next big show we'll be on the road for. Looking forward to that. We are going to be broadcasting live on the trade show floor a couple of days. So we'll bring you more details on where we're going to be here the next couple of weeks. Big thanks to Christy Van On. She sits with Van On and Company for joining us with market analysis here today. 
reminder again, no markets for Monday with President's Day being a holiday, being a market holiday as well. But we're still going to talk a little bit about the markets coming up with our next program. Ken Zuckerberg of CoBank will join us that and much more coming up here on the next episode of Market Talk. That's going to do it for today's show, though. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information.